This morning we are continuing on with our series within a series. Uh, this We've been working through for the last few, actually quite a few weeks actually, working through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking and teaching us what it means to be a disciple. And then we just started last week this part of the sermon where Jesus begins talking about practices, especially spiritual practices, the things that we can do to draw closer to Jesus and become more like him. So last week we talked some about practicing generosity about how we can take this on and practice this on purpose as a way to not only become more like Jesus, but closer to him. This morning we're going to be moving on to prayer. Jesus starts with this next and just talks about simply um, how we can pray with sincerity and with simplicity. I've been studying this week this passage on prayer. It's been encouraging for me. It's been challenging for me at times. And it's even got me a question, you know, as a guy who's been following Jesus for a while now, and as a pastor, like I'm supposed to have all this stuff figured out, right? Um, started asking, getting me asking questions about prayer and how do we do it right. Uh, some of you might be asking some questions too. Uh, many of you, I know many of you have been following Jesus. Some of you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. So I think maybe this morning you might hear good uh, reminders, uh, maybe good um, instructions, maybe things that you're like, oh yeah, that's right, um, as, you, as you hear this, what Jesus is going to say. Some of you are, might be new to faith. And you might be wondering, you know, how do I pray? What's a good way to pray? Is there like a special way to do it? Is there things you have to say or, or ways you have to do it? Do you have to kneel? Do you have to stand? Um, maybe you have those sort of questions. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you are not really sure what you think about Jesus. And you maybe have questions like, why would I even be interested in prayer? Um, I've been thinking some about how maybe this helps, uh, even if you're not sure about Jesus, how people like health professionals, everyone talks about the value of meditation and things like that. Well, think of prayer uh, not only as meditation, as quiet time uh, where your mind and settled down and from the busyness of the world, but you actually get to talk to God. So even if you're thinking like, well, I'm not a Christian, Jason, you know, like, how, like was God even going to listen to me? I think God loves to listen to each person. He loves to listen to those who've been following him. But he also loves to listen to those who have more questions uh, for him. So uh, those are some things that maybe we'll be addressing this morning as we get into this passage about prayer and what it means to pray. If you want to, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 1, or also 2, it's in your bulletin, actually a sermon guide here. Uh, this is a really easy way and your sermon guide to just open this up. The text is on the inside. There's a place there for notes uh, if you want to write down uh, what you're learning or what's important to you. All right, so this whole thing that we're working on in terms of prayer begins with verse 1. We're, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, where Jesus is teaching about spiritual practices, and he says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men or before people, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So we're going to keep coming back to this passage because this is the overarching idea. This is the main thing that Jesus is trying to teach us as disciples right now, is that when we practice spiritual disciplines, when we practice our righteousness, practice following Jesus, we do it for him not to be seen by other people. All right, so Jesus starts. This is the main thing. Uh, and then Jesus moves on to prayer. Last week, he talked some about practicing generosity. This morning, we're going to dive into the part where he talks about prayer. And he says this. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now, this idea of... Um, 
Actually, I want to say a couple things first. One is that this teaching on prayer is in the center of these three spiritual practices. So the first one is generosity. The third one, as we'll talk about next week, is fasting. The center one, the central one, is prayer. And it's interesting because people who've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, they've been studying it for 2,000 years now, have found some pretty interesting things about this, that actually these, if you count the number of Greek words, this uh, teaching on prayer is right in the middle. This is the center of the Sermon on the Mount, so to speak. Prayer being the center. All right. Not only that, but also prayer is the center of our connection with God. Just think for a second, how difficult would it be to connect with God if we couldn't pray? It's hard for me to even think what that would be like. What would it be like to try and relate to God, try to know Jesus, if we didn't have this ability to pray? Or what if, what if God were to say, um, actually, you can't pray. I've saved you, but because I'm so holy, you can't actually talk to me. Imagine if God had said that. Man, it's hard. It's kind of painful for me to even think about it. <laughs> Thankfully, God doesn't say that. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't say that. Actually, he says just the opposite. If you want to know God, pray. Talk to him all the time. And Jesus is going to uh, explain some of what that looks like or what that could look like in our lives. So when Jesus is teaching here, he says, do not pray like the hypocrites. All right? The word hypocrito, uh, Greek, you don't need to worry too much about that, but it actually comes, it's like the Greek word for an actor. A hypocrite was someone who, like an actor, like they would do two things. They would have two lives, like their natural life and then the life that they portrayed on the stage. Sometimes you might, like in common language today, we might say someone who's two-faced. Someone who acts one way uh, in certain conditions and another way in another. You know, sometimes Christians, sometimes we get a, a reputation for this, and sometimes we actually earn a reputation for this. God forgive us. When we act one way on Sunday and then a different way on Monday morning uh, at work. So hypocrito are the people who uh, act two different ways. And so he's saying, don't be like them, like a Hollywood actor. Don't be like a Hollywood actor when you pray, praying for other people's attention. Now, I think Jesus, when he says hypocrites here, I think in his day, he's probably talking about Pharisees. The Pharisees were the really, they were the really religious. They were the religious leaders of his day, um, somewhat like a pastor of their day. So this is pretty challenging for me too, to not be a hypocrite, to not act like I have it all figured out and be super excited or try to get people to say how good I am or how faithful I am by the way I pray or the way that I practice generosity or the way I fast. So Jesus is probably talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, the holy rollers, so to speak. All right. Um, so Jesus says, when you pray, one, don't pray like the hypocrites. And he said, because they do one thing. They do it to be seen by men or be seen by people. They do it, uh, when we pray, don't pray for false admiration. Now, I think most of us, you know, I mean, I'm thinking kind of just looking around the room here. I don't really know of any of you who are praying, you know, kind of loudly at street corners or standing up here on the stage trying to get people's attention. I think actually probably for us as Christians, probably the thing that we need to be more careful of is the proper motives of prayer. Uh, in Jesus' day, there were people who were praying to get attention from other people to try and get people to say, wow, they're so spiritual. I think maybe for us, we need to be careful when we pray that we aren't praying to share stories about other people. 
Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we pray in a prayer group and we pray for somebody, um, but really our goal is to share what's happening in their lives. That's not a good way to pray. Uh, sometimes we, like, we talk about what's happening in someone's life to pray for them. That's fine. But we know the difference, and only you can know when you're praying to sort of share a story or in some ways even gossip uh, about someone. All right. So uh, Jesus says, when you pray, don't be, pray to be seen by men. He says, because um, I tell you the truth that they have received their reward in full. So if our goal is anything other than talking to our Father than heaven, then you get your reward and it isn't much. How helpful, how useful is the opinions of others if their opinion of us is based on us misleading them? Think about that. Like what, what does it matter if we impress people, if they think, wow, they're so spiritual, they pray so beautifully and so faithfully? What does that matter if it's an act on our part? I mean, at best, people are giving us false admiration. It's based on false pretense. At worst, they see through our antics and they get kind of disgusted with us. And they think, man, that's, that's horrible. But that person is actually just praying to get attention rather than praying to speak to God. So Jesus says this. So he says, don't do it like them. But when you do pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now this room that he's talking about, scholars have uh, talked about, it's the one lockable room in, a, in an ancient home, in a first century uh, Jewish home, was probably the storehouse, um, because that's where they keep their tools and the, the crop that they have stored up. Um, that was probably the one lockable place. And so he's, it's pretty private, closed off. Go into this room and pray. Um, and he's saying here, basically, it's like to pray privately. Now, I think I want to make this point here, that if we take this passage and make it a new literalism, if we take this and take this overly literally, then we would be actually, we prayed here this morning together as a church, um, we would, that would be wrong if we took this passage too literally. But Jesus' point here is not so much that we'd pray privately on our own all the time, but his point is that we would pray sincerely. And I'll show you what I mean. Now it's true that most of our prayer just the vast majority of our prayer is silently, usually just on our own. I mean, sometimes we pray with people, which, and some of you pray with people a lot, which is wonderful. But most of our prayer is privately. Um, but even, I wanted to make this point, that even Jesus prays out loud uh, for people or with people. I was thinking about John chapter 11 this week. Um, Jesus is there, and he's there to raise Lazarus, his friend uh, who, is, who has died. And Jesus prays, he says, Jesus says, he says, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So here's a case where Jesus is praying to God genuinely, sincerely, but he's doing it in front of people also so that they would see who God is, that they would realize that this isn't just Jesus' power, but it's his Father in heaven. So I say this just to bring up the point that we can't take this passage of pray only in a closet, only in a lockable room, too literally. All right. The thing is, um, it is good practice for us to set aside time to be alone with God. Now that I've taken, now that I've addressed the, the literalism of it, being overly literal, um, I think it is good for us to set time aside. I want to encourage you to set time aside each day to pray to just spend time praying. And if it's healthier, like, you know, Jason, I don't know what to pray every day. 
um, pray the Lord's Prayer. I'll get to that in a moment here. Or just pray along the lines of, God, I am grateful for, and fill in the blank. God, I am sorry for, fill in the blank. God, I need your help with, fill in the blank. Easy stuff. And we'll get into in a moment just how simply God loves us to pray. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be by formulas or fancy words. The simpler, the better, as I understand Jesus. Now, this is one of the practices that I have. I get up each morning, and the first thing, uh, or one of the first things I do in the morning is pray. Spend time uh, doing just that. Lord, forgive me for the things I've done. Lord, I, I completely depend on you, or I want to depend on you more. Please guide me, God, today. And I spend time reading scripture, praying about that, praying for you and the stuff that's going on in your lives and for our church. Setting, aside, setting time aside to pray is good for us. It's a great way. It's an amazing way, actually, to start a day. So if, you're not, if prayer is not like a normal part of your life, try it out this week. And if you're thinking like, oh, Jesus, Jace, like, like I don't have time or I wouldn't know what to say past like 20 seconds, just start there. Start, like, just take five minutes or 15 minutes and just set it aside. Turn your phone upside down, turn the volume off or whatever, go to a room where your kids won't bother you or the TV won't bother you, and just set aside a minute to pray. Just some time to be with God. All right. So Jesus says, when you pray, go to your room and pray. And he says, uh, but when you pray, it's more importantly that we pray sincerely, that we pray to our Father who is unseen. Now, this is the point that Jesus is making with this passage right now. There's a difference between praying to God and playing to the crowd. All right? Jesus is saying, when you pray, talk to God, talk to your Father in heaven. Don't play to the crowd. The thing is, Jesus is saying, actually talk to God. Not trying to get attention. uh, Not trying to lecture people. Uh, If anybody here, I mean, those of you whose kids are grown, um, you're probably have less trouble with this, but me, like this is convicting for me this week. There are times I think when I have prayed with my sons and it's been more of like a prayer lecture. (laughs) You know that prayer where you say, Father in heaven, please help my sons to behave and to stop doing what they're doing. Like that's not actually really praying. Um, And I don't think God is really impressed with that. Um, It actually belittles prayer. Um, also, too, you know, praying to make a point. You know, sometimes uh, we do that. We pray, and I've heard it. I know of pastors who've told me uh, in their churches where one person will pray like along one theological line, and then somebody else, the next person would pray along the other theological line. Uh, I had a pastor friend of mine who was talking about praying for a, fr- for a friend who was going through a difficult time that God would help them. Uh, through their difficulty, someone who's kind of like the belief that God works in our difficult circumstances. And then he had a more charismatic person who prayed, God, actually, don't do that. Actually, set them free because they've been liberated and set free. Don't make them live in their struggle anymore. And really, they weren't praying. They were having a debate through prayer. God is not impressed with that. I'm thankful that doesn't happen a lot here, but just so that we understand what Jesus is talking about. The other thing, too, is be careful that we aren't praying to tell a story, that we aren't praying to uh, let people know what's happening in our friends' lives. Now, if we want to pray for them, that they are helped, that's different. But to pray to tell a story, God is not impressed. 
So Jesus says, when we do pray sincerely, though, <clears throat> then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I think about the rewards that what this looks like. You know, obviously the first reward would be answered prayer. The praying, the thing that we pray, the help that we ask for, we get. That's like a, a, one of the first ways that God often rewards us. Another way is to realize that God is delighting in our faithfulness. You know, maybe you've been praying for something for, for days or for weeks or for decades. I think God delights in that faithfulness. Maybe he hasn't answered the way that you want him to, but I still think he values that he delights in your faithfulness that you continue to come to him asking for help. Not only that, but when we pray, we also it benefits us as well in that we grow as disciples. The more we pray, the more we grow. And especially if we pray and we see things that God answers our prayer and that it's encouraging for us, it builds, in, it builds our faithfulness. And if we see things that God, if we've been praying for things and God doesn't answer them the way we wanted to, it grows trust in us that we continue to pray to him and trust him. So just kind of sum up what Jesus is talking about here, uh, about how to pray. When he says, don't pray like the hypocrites, pray like this, he's saying pray sincerely. You know, and here he's talking about going to a room, but I think Jesus' main point here is that we pray sincerely, that we really talk to God, not trying to have a debate or correct our kids or anything, but we actually talk to God. All right. Um, then Jesus moves on. So the first example, he's comparing how not to pray. He compares it to probably the Pharisees, the hypocrites of his day. And now he says, when you pray, uh, do not keep babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, um, scholars have tried to figure out what exactly is Jesus talking about, what sort of situation. Um, he says that in the ancient world, there were different beliefs about how you talk to gods. Um, some believed that you had to wear a god down, that gods didn't really want to help anybody, and so you had to keep asking and asking like a child at a candy store until finally they broke down and gave you what you wanted. That's a very uh, different view of God than what we understand uh, the God of scriptures to be like. The other one was uh, you know, to pray and to like really twist their arm. The more you prayed, the more God had to do what you wanted him to do. The other idea was to, uh, some thought if you prayed a lot, it demonstrated how sincere you were. You know, if you only had to pray for, you know, 20 seconds for something, then you're probably not so sincere about it. But if you prayed for two days, then you must be really sincere, then maybe God would listen to you. Some also had the idea that the more you prayed, the more spiritual you are. So you kind of earn points with God by praying a lot, by praying a long time. And one of the easiest ways that people thought to pray a long time was just to repeat the same word over and over and over again. This, as Jesus talks about, this endless babbling. Jesus says, don't pray like that. He actually says, pray like this. Uh, do, not, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Now, he's saying to ask plainly. Uh, we don't need to repeat for hours a prayer. Because uh, our, our Father in heaven already knows what you need. Now, he does say what you need, not exactly what you want. I mean, he knows what we want, too. But I think Jesus' point here is that God doesn't always give us what we want. Sometimes the things we think we want actually aren't that good for us. Or God has bigger plans for us. So, he says God already knows. And by God already knowing means that God is omniscient. I mean that God knows everything already. 
So it's not like we're going to surprise him. When we pray, it's not like we're able to hide things from him. So we can just pray sincerely to him. That might be leading some of you to ask, you know, so if God already knows what I need, already knows what I'm going to pray, why do I need to pray anyways? You know, that's a very pragmatic view of it. Um, the thing is, God does answer prayer. Prayer is good for us, but especially God does answer prayer. Not only that, but uh, God changes course in his actions. Sometimes the world uh, is going wrong and we pray and God intervenes and makes the situation right. Or sometimes God has a course of action and we pray, Lord, please, please change or please do this instead. And God does. I was thinking about the story of Abraham praying for uh, Sodom, uh, for the town where his nephew Lot was living, praying that God would be merciful on that town. And God uh, said, if you can, like he was just planning to, to wipe it out, and he said, if you can find even 10 people who are faithful. And unfortunately, there were not, but you see there where someone was praying, talking with God, and God was ready to change direction. All right. Um, so God is saying, you know, how do we, how do we pray? You know, that our Father knows what we need. <clears throat> and then Jesus starts getting into how we should pray. So this is the good stuff right here. This, is the, this right here is the part that's worth the price of admission. Here's how we should pray. All right? This is, some of you might recognize this part of Scripture. It says, Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or honored or made holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now there is tons that we could say about these 57 words right here. Well, it's in Greek, 57 words, but uh, about this short teaching from Jesus. Uh, one of my professors in seminary, a uh, pastor for a couple decades and a professor at preaching at Regent, he wrote a book called 57 Words That Change the World. That this prayer is powerful. Not only powerful in our own lives, but powerful in the world. I mean, just think about it, the idea that talking about your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, that's world-changing sort of stuff. That prayer is for the world. Now, uh, we could, I could preach a sermon on every phrase of this sermon. That'd be something like, what, five? That'd be ten weeks. Over two months, we could unpack this sermon and everything that it means for us. Or, sorry, this, this prayer and the words and what they mean for us. Uh, this morning, we're not going to take two months. We're going to go a little bit faster. Um, but I want to talk some just about how this is a great gift from God. One, because this prayer is very clear. There's not a lot of uh, religious, confusing religious words in it. Not a lot of confusing religious ideas. It's very clear, very plain. The other thing, it's totally comprehensive. I mean, talking to our God, our Father in heaven, praying for the world around us, praying for our own provision, for our forgiveness, and for God to guide us through difficulty and temptation. That's pretty comprehensive. Not only that, it's totally portable. Like this passage, like this prayer, so many people have the Lord's Prayer memorized. It's like it fits in your pocket. But at the same time, you could expand on, you could pray this prayer or along the lines of this prayer for hours 
or for days. You could pray along uh, our Father in Heaven. You could take a week just to pray along that line. What does it mean to have a Father in Heaven? So it's very expandable. Uh, it was uh, Professor Dale Bruner, one of the commentaries, one of the New Testament scholars that I was reading uh, this week, and I've been reading along as I've been studying Matthew. Uh, he talks about it like a, like a handrail, that the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer is like a handrail guiding us, that we can walk along holding this handra- handrail as we pray. Uh, C.S. Lewis, many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis. He talked about festooning the prayer. So you start with this, this, this structure right here, and you can add to it. Um, you know, just to talk about your kingdom come. You could add all sorts of things. You could pray along the lines of your kingdom come, Lord God, uh, for hours. So it's expandable. Um, the other thing, too, is that it's great because you can't go wrong with it. This is, these are the words that Jesus literally taught us to say. So if you feel like, you know, I'm not sure what to pray theologically, I don't know, or even emotionally, I don't know how to pray, you can pray this prayer. This is a safe place. You could pray it just verbatim, and it is good. Um, but the thing I want to stay focused on here is that today, uh, Jesus' point is that we would pray simply. Now, it's, um, this is a great gift given ex- as an example of how to pray simply. Each line is staccato. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a pretty concise way of saying it. Lord, we want to make your name great. Lord, we want your name to be hallowed, and you are our Father in heaven. And I was thinking about it, like each prayer, um, each line of this prayer, it's like uh, really thick theological writing or thick um, um, scholarly writing. Every word moves the conversation forward. There is no wasted word in this prayer. And actually, in the Greek, it's even a little bit more condensed. So it says, uh, for example, in English, we have your kingdom come, but in Greek, it just says, let it come, your kingdom. Let it be done. And actually, that's one word in Greek. Let it be done, your will. It's very short, very concise, very clear. Another thing I love about it, too, is there's no pomp, there's no ceremony here. There aren't special religious words that you need to learn how to pronounce. It's simple and short. Jesus gets right to it. I was thinking about it this week, that these are real words for common people about an extraordinary God. Real words, not fancy esoteric words, but real words for real people like us who really want to talk to God about an amazing and extraordinary God. Okay? So Jesus talks some about how we pray. He should be talked about earlier when he was talking about the religious leaders, the hypocrites, he say, pray sincerely. With this part here, Jesus is teaching us to pray simply. To pray simply. You don't need special skills. You don't need a degree. You don't need special classes. You can just talk to God. Just a simple, sincere conversation with your Father in heaven. Then Jesus ends with this last thought here. He says, um, For if you forgive men or people when they, for, or when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, this is a pretty complicated verse, and I was studying it this week, and I'm not sure I still got a satisfactory answer. You know, we've often put so much of our faith, so much of our forgiveness and sin on Jesus and what he's done on the cross. But as I read this, I see this as a secondary thing, in that if we, as followers of Jesus, refuse to forgive other people, 
it becomes very difficult for God to forgive us. I'd almost say that maybe if you have, maybe link it this way, if you have difficulty forgiving people, if you hold grudges against people, that maybe you don't quite understand what it means to follow Jesus yet. So we have to be forgiving because the two are linked together. God's forgiveness of us is linked to our forgiveness of other people. All right. So I'm thinking some this morning about what is God speaking to us? I think he's revealing to you, um, the, the Holy Spirit is inviting us, calling us back to a focus on prayer. Calling us back to focus on how we speak to God. This morning, the passage that we listen to what Jesus is saying, it says here, Jesus says, begin with sin, uh, sincerely. Just pray sincerely. Not like you're trying to lecture somebody or make a theological point or a political point or trying to convince somebody of something. Just pray. Just talk to our Father in heaven. When we pray, also pray simply. If your simple is lots of giant words, then I guess go ahead and do that. But for most of us, to pray simply means just to use common words. That we don't get caught up in what we say or how we say it. We just pray to God. We just talk to our Father in heaven. This last one is one I'm going to add this morning, is that we pray faithfully. And by faithfully, I mean on the one hand, praying consistently. Pray faithfully day after day, moment by moment. We're praying faithfully. But not only that, but we pray filled with faith, faithful. That we keep trusting God. Even when we pray and we don't see answers or answers that we would like, we keep trusting him and praying. I also think this too, that faithfully means that the Christian life is fueled, is centered around prayer. Let me say that again. The Christian life, the mission of our church, our goal to disciple and to see revival in our church here and in our community around us begins with prayer. Prayer is that essential. And I know we live in a time where it's very easy to be pragmatic, to say, you know, I, I pray because I know I'm supposed to, but really the, the hard work of ministry and seeing God's kingdom comes down to me doing something. This morning I am reconvinced, this last week I'm reconvinced that prayer is the most powerful, the most important thing that we can do as a church. Prayer helps us stay close to Jesus and it helps us, it gives us power to follow his commands. You know, this morning... As I think about us, I just think how different things could be if we continue to grow in prayer. And I want to be careful here because I know some of you pray faithfully. You know, so in some ways I feel like I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But I also know that some of you struggle with prayer. I've had conversations with you. You're like, you know, Jace, I ask, I'll ask, you know, how's your walk going? How's your faith? And you're like, ah, been really busy lately. How's prayer? Um, well, I pray sometimes while I'm waiting for a traffic light. I remember to pray then, or I'll pray while something comes up. Which is, There's nothing wrong with that, but if that's our only mode of prayer, God desires more. Imagine what this begins to look like as we begin praying for healing in our church, for people, whether it's emotions, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, sickness. Imagine how amazing it begins if we begin praying together as a church and we see people are healed. Not only that, but imagine as we continue to pray for revival in our community. And this is one of the reasons why I am committed to our prayer summits. We have them every Thursday on a feast week. 
and come and, you know, this last week there were five of us. Five of us came for the prayer summit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is one of the most powerful things that we can do as a church. And so I'm encouraging us to keep finding ways to pray. You know, Walter and I, we come here uh, pretty much every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning to pray, to pray for our church and for our community. You guys, everybody's invited to that. <laughs> you know, so consider yourself invited. These are important ways for us to see God, to come before him as a church, as a community, to ask God for his help and for revival, not only in our church family in terms of people knowing and following Jesus more, but also in our community. This morning, I hear Jesus calling us as a church. Uh, those of you who have been praying a lot, encouraging you, bless you. And those of you who have been struggling to find time or to make time, I hear God calling us back to prayer. It is the center of our faith. Amen.